Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and this is our last, at least for now, Star Wars episode. I was joined by the utterly delightful Danielle Shamaya to discuss Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. You can hear Danielle's work as an actor, writer, and director on many wonderful audio dramas, most notably those from our friends at the Whisper Forge. Make sure to check out The Far Meridian, Caravan, and Ars Paradoxica if you haven't already. And speaking of audio dramas, if you follow us on Twitter, you may have seen that my dear friends at Long Story Short Productions, Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti, creators of Wolf 359 and past guests of this podcast, are creating a new urban fantasy audio drama called Unseen, which I will have the pleasure of acting in. They launched a Kickstarter a few days ago and, astoundingly, met their goal within a few hours and doubled it within two days. It's unbelievable. I am so blown away and so, so thankful to any of you who have backed it already. I'm putting a link to that Kickstarter in the show notes here so you can check it out and see if you'd like to contribute. They have some really great stretch goals and have come up with great rewards, and it's going to be a show that I think will be up all of your alleys, so even if you can't contribute, Check it out to get hyped. Speaking of thanks, thank you to all of our lovely patrons, and especially to our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Allison Turi, and Caitlin Van Horn, who would all have included more Rose Tico in Rise of Skywalker. And to our advanced producer, Michael Beck, who is more ubiquitous than Anthony Daniels. If you would like to join these fabulous folks and get access to all sorts of bonus content for as little as $1 a month, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast. Without further ado, here is episode 69, The Rise of Skywalker, with Danielle Shamaya. I am so excited to welcome to pairing for the very first time the one and only Danielle Shamaya of many, many podcasts of many wonder wonderful audio dramas, which we'll we'll plug later on. Um, but Danielle, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that I get to um, finally talk to you for more than, you know, a couple of seconds in in person. I know. Uh, you know, uh, long-time listener, right. first-time caller. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, a uh, huge fan. Happy to be here. Um, love everybody in this bar. Ready to talk about nerd stuff. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. This is the bar where we talk about nerd stuff. Yes. Ugh, that's my next t-shirt that I'm going to make. <laughs> well, not only are we going to talk about nerd stuff, we're going to talk about like ultimate nerd stuff, the. which is, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, episode nine of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, or The Last Skywalker, Return uh, of the Skywalker, who, kno- who knows what it's like. Revenge of the Skywalker. <laughs> Revenge of the Skywalkers. Yes. Actually, that was, I don't know if you've seen this, but I think there's a TikTok video going around um, of somebody who was like, all the Star Wars movies have the wrong title, and they like changed every single Star Wars movie to have a different title. And you're like, 
oh, that actually makes more sense than <laughs> what it actually is. <laughs> if only they'd know what they were going to name them before, you know, all of this uh, start. You know what? Never mind. I've read Harry Potter. I know that also doesn't go well. Right. Usually. So um, <laughs> knowing things ahead of time is not always a good thing. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. Take take the titles with a grain of salt. Yeah. But yes, so we're going to be talking about the, um, I would say, much contested mm-hmm. uh, last film in the Skywalker saga. And, and and as I understand it, Danielle, you you are a fan of this movie, right? Um, um, yes. Or, or find find positive things in it. Yeah. Uh, what, what I was going to say as like an opening is... I have many, many criticisms of the movie. It mm-hmm. has many, many flaws. Uh, and most of those, I think, though, because I was just re-watching it, and I was like, I think if I just watched this movie on its own, if it weren't connected to the previous two movies and, you know, the previous six movies before that, I think I would be a lot more forgiving of it because it is like a really fun well-made movie but it kind of fails as the conclusion of what came before it that's my general consensus or my general feeling about this movie and I'm curious to hear what you think about it you know um as I was re-watching and rehashing old conversations that I had with people because you know I yeah I, I talked about this movie for, you know, at least three times the length of actually like watching and experiencing it. Absolutely. Much everyone else. Um, Yes. I think that, you know, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think Mm -hmm. that my my biggest, biggest complaint about this movie is that it was supposed to be the last one. Right. That it was supposed to be the culmination of everything that came before it. And that is kind of where it, you know, fell short a little bit for me. Sure. Um, that said, like from the first time that I actually saw it, my experience, like seeing it for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like like you said, like I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I I think that where I've landed is that like I I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to going into it with all of the discourse that was going on around it. And totally. um, I like it for very different reasons than I think other people uh that other people do. So I think like both my, my like and my ire for this film are like outside of sort of like what the general consensus of the internet was. And I think that like, part of me feels like I'm being rebellious, like in, in liking it. Well, that's so in the spirit, that's so (laughs) in the spirit of star Wars to be rebellious. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And yeah, no, I'm doing it for the resistance. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) For general Leia Organa. Um, I know. Uh, she's Nothing but love for my general. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's that's perfect because I actually like wrote down a list of what I thought this movie's strengths were and what its weaknesses were. So maybe it would be fun to start out like comparing what we think the strengths are. Yes. Awesome. I will start because I probably I probably fall more on the side of like the general consensus of the internet. Mm-hmm. I am I'm I'm totally a stormtrooper in this scenario. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's all you know. No, no. I don't think it's, we, do, we don't have to be that polarized. We can be bounty hunters or something. I don't exactly. Know. Exactly. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a bounty hunter. But so so I I think that this movie is like 
visually stunning. I think that the the cinematography and the action sequences are amazing. Uh, and I and I think they're some of the strongest parts of the movie. I think that the acting is very strong, and especially I and and this this may not be something that everybody agrees with me with, but I think Daisy Ridley does an amazing job in this movie and doesn't God, yes. doesn't get enough credit for it. Like I feel like she got all sorts of flack, and she's just a powerhouse. She's a powerhouse in the whole series but in this movie particularly i feel like she carries it so those those are some of the strengths those aren't its only strengths but those were like the big ones that popped out to me so i'm curious what you think are the the strengths of this movie you know what i think we might be falling uh closer to um you know the same opinion than uh sure. maybe i originally sure. thought sure I mean, you first first and foremost the actors um i think right. that they are they over and above all else really carried off um even the parts of this film that i wouldn't have entirely bought otherwise right. um right. and uh they god the performances i i mm-hmm. will i will defend Daisy Ridley to my dying breath because I think that what she's done with this character even when she hasn't been given as much as number one her male counterparts have been given but also she hasn't been given the same um leniency by the fandom and the you know the culture at large that maybe um some of the other characters and storylines and actors have been given uh by virtue of you know, being marginalized in very Absolutely. silly ways that we're still harping right, on. Right, right. Um, oh, I think <laughs> she, uh, I think, yeah, I think uh, Kelly Marie Tran did yes. uh, incredible with what little she was given. John Boyega. Um, yep. You know, I like, oh God, I just, I love the cast of this trilogy so much. Me too. That I am willing to forgive many of the other things that happened during it and they contribute a lot i think to the fun that i had while i was watching this film um i also think it's beautiful i think it's absolutely um i think it was stunning i think it was fun um i did when when i saw it with a couple of my friends uh we were sitting a little bit too close to sure. uh, to the screen for our own liking but i've been um, there yeah <laughs> it, it, it just it had the scope that that i think that i i miss in the years that there aren't star wars films to be had and it, it's the kind of thing that, like, we got to see a whole lot of, div- oh, the festival, things like the yeah, festival. Yeah, I um, love that big scene. sweeping landscapes and things like that. And even Exegol were just. Yeah. I just, it was beautiful. It was fun. It was, um, hmm. I think that at its core, yes. there are some um, messages that I overarching messages about this entire trilogy i would say that i think that are super important that have made mm-hmm. me feel like a part of the fandom in a way that i maybe didn't before sure and sure. um i think that like they tug on kind of emotional heartstrings that uh they kind of like sway my my sort of critic's opinion i guess you could say like i, yeah. I as a fan i feel very differently about this than i do as a uh as a a film goer, I guess you could sure. say. Sure, um, and and yeah. and I I just realized I guess I should clarify because when we, when we say like whether we agree with the internet at large or not, that's that's a trickier thing uh, than I like to think because a lot of what I've talked about on these Star Wars episodes with various very very um, intelligent people like yourself is that 
there's a certain subset and a certain facet of Star Wars fandom that is just awful. Awful. Oh, God. Yeah, not them. Yeah, not them. Not them. And I I try to forget that. Um, so, so, but yes, there, there, there was a big subset that was just awful. And then there were also a lot of people who I think are just so uber invested in the story that they can't take a step back from what they, what they want Star Wars to Mm -hmm. be. And, um, and, and I know a lot of people struggled with that throughout the whole trilogy and with Last Jedi and this one, both in particular, I think. So much struggle. So much so much. strife. Um, <laughs> but, and you mentioned Kelly Marie Tran, which, not going to get into the, like, h- horrible things that happened to her um, from, from the fandom. <laughs> but my, possibly my biggest problem with this movie is how little she was in it. And mm-hmm. um, at, in the service of bringing in like some new characters, some of whom I really like and think are interesting and contribute to the story, and some of whom I don't think do at all. Like Carrie Russell, I love Carrie Russell. I, yeah, I love her <laughs> as an actor. She did not need to be in this movie. <laughs> you know what? And you know what? I think that like, and this is part of the thing that really frustrated me. If you know, I, yeah. I kind of want to stop off on the um the the highway pit stop of like. Rose Tico and how yes. she was wronged in this Ugh, film for this specific so, reason. <laughs> so I uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we can we can we can why don't we why don't we just dive into it now because <laughs> let's pull over. Let's pull over. The, let's pull over. I think it is the biggest atrocity that the film commits. She's okay. So I read this interview. I don't know whether you whether you saw this specific uh-huh. interview and I tried to look for it before I came on and I couldn't find specifically the one that said it, but I was sure. reading one of the many interviews with the um, editor that was mm. talking about um, the screen time that mm. uh, that Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran got and like yeah. you know, the scenes and things like that and talking about the different drafts and how like, you know, there was a little bit more of a story there for her, et cetera, et cetera. And right. how ultimately they said like, ultimately there were just so many things going on and so many things we were trying to tie up. There really wasn't time to do another story justice Mm. or something like that was Mm -hmm. kind of the excuse. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, Zori Bliss's story was really just there to like enforce Poe Dameron's like semi heterosexuality. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, that's my exact sentiment. It's like, they were like, nope, Poe can't be gay. And yeah. so we have to bring in a, a a heterosexual object for him to be attracted to. But also, like beyond that, like I f- I feel like I hadn't heard that exact story, but I heard something like that, like either J.J. Abrams or maybe this this editor or screenwriter um, saying that there just wasn't time. I was like, that's bullshit. You can make time. Right. <laughs> um, you made time if you care if you cared enough about the story. And like right. I feel like that like. I hate to say it, but, like, that kind of contributes to, like, one of my major, like, issues with the film at large. And, like, obviously we're going to dive into specifics, but, like, one of my major problems with the film at large is that it's this – you guys were talking about it on the last episode, actually. It's this this overcorrection from the the last movie. I feel like more than possibly any other Star Wars movie in the franchise, Circumstances wrote this movie. Yes. Um, and not necessarily sort of like a, a certain creative direction. Um, I feel like it, it was a combination of 
spite um mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher's tragic passing yeah and yeah. um you know reading about these this terrible like subsect of of you know nefarious sewer dwelling individuals that we won't really speak right, of right uh, yes that were so very angry about the last movie like right that kind of like overcorrection to make this something that would sell and be that sort of like big ninth movie is kind of what like ruined what could have been very very good 100 percent, 100 percent. no i i agree with you totally and and the other the other thing um again which we talked about a little bit in the in the last episode that really upset me i'm not sure if it bothered you i know it bothered some people and not others it really bothered me that ray became or was the whole time palpatine's granddaughter Oh dear I, God! <laughs> I I loved the idea that she was quote unquote nobody. You know that that we were breaking out of like this dynastic power structure, and yes. then and then they had to pull it back in. And like, I'm fine. I'm fine with the emperor coming back. That's fun. Like that's Star Wars. But yeah. But like, give me a little like give me a little hint that it's gonna happen before, and not just be like. And now the emperor's back. Um, <laughs> um, somehow Palpatine returned. Yes, an actual quote from the film. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is. Uh, and and like the first, the what is it? The first uh, line of the of like the scroll at the beginning is like the dead speak. Yeah. Emperor Palpatine has returned. <laughs> and it's like, like thanks. That feels like lazy storytelling to me. It's it's so it's so like screams to me like um and I I don't know how extreme it was. I've I've made it a point to not look into the whole like uh-huh. Ryan Johnson ver- uh, versus JJ Abrams controversy like you know the Sure. Sort of, like, people diverting from like the last Jedi and things like that cuz I enjoyed that one too. Sure. So I've made it a yeah. point not to look into how much they they communicated or didn't communicate or yeah. whatever. But as a layperson, it just seems to me like they seem like two kindergartners that like were made to work on a group project together and refused to speak throughout the entire thing. That's and such a perfect like, analogy. <laughs> like, they made like they like I'm gonna make this movie, but I refuse to talk to the guy that made the last one, despite right. the fact that like it's coming sandwiched in between two movies that I'm making. And like if they had right. just tried to work together maybe just a little bit more maybe this would have tied in better than somehow palpatine returned and then the line that uh, rose tico says directly after that and is my question throughout the entire movie wait we believe this yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's my question too kelly yep (laughs) yep do we do we believe this i don't know that we do yeah (laughs) yeah Um, no, you're so right. I love that analogy. All, all that I know, because I also didn't look into, like, the, the little, I'm sure there was drama behind the scenes. All that I know is that at one point, I think before Last Jedi came out, or maybe it was when The Last Jedi came out, that Ryan Johnson was supposed to write the screenplay for, mm-hmm. for this movie. I don't think he was ever supposed to direct it, but I think he was going to at least, if not write it himself, then like be part of the writing team. And I don't know at one at what point he got kicked from the screenwriting team, but he did. So 
it just like it's so and and someone else was supposed to direct i forget who um oh colin tevereaux oh it? was it colin tevereaux yes i think it you're... was either jurassic world guy or it was mm. the game of thrones guys and neither of those were like optimal choices no <laughs> definitely not i think i think it's the jurassic world guy and he yeah. and he left um I was yeah happy that's right yeah i remember it was being Trevor happy o. about that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm glad i i'm not a huge fan of his films as far as i know nope. um nope. <laughs> like like jj abrams my thing about jj abrams is that he can't like he can't stick the landing um he's got great ideas and he's got great like cinematic instincts but he can't quite he can't quite finish something satisfyingly. That's a kind of his track record, isn't yeah, it? He yeah, just it really, is. like, the execution is just always, like, oh, you stumbled a little bit there, bud. Like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, I... People keep giving him these finales. <laughs> right, right. It's like, why? Why? I feel like I feel like we could have found somebody to to take care of this a little bit better. But anyone, 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 <laughs> anyone, Bueller. But yes. Um, so I wanted to bring up I came up with a couple of like overarching wine and or cocktail pairings for this um, for this movie as a whole. I just wanted to bring this up because I don't know if it's connected to exactly what we were talking about, but I was just thinking about it. But so I was thinking about this movie and i was like this movie is kind of like a wine spritzer or a wine cocktail or something um yeah. like an aperol spritz and i was thinking about that specifically because um i'm not sure if if you read this article or heard about this but the new york times published an op-ed a year or two ago that was like somebody being like aperol spritzes are just bad and nobody can fight me on that. And I and, and and everybody was like, that's bullshit. Like, it's okay if you don't like an Aperol spritz. Um, which, in case you don't know, an Aperol spritz is a sparkling wine, usually a Prosecco, and Aperol, which is a kind of sweet liqueur, and, um, and, and usually, like, either, like, some orange or just some soda water is added to it. So it's a very refreshing, like, pretty sweet kind of cocktail. And some people really hate it, I guess. Um, I, <laughs> you know, for me, it's, like, the right time, right time, right place. I like an Aperol spritz. And so I was, like, I feel like this movie is, like, an Aperol spritz because some people just hate it. Because they feel like they have to or something. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's fun. It's still basically a fun movie that is not my favorite, but right time, right place. It does the job. So that's my, that was my first sort of instinct with this movie. It feels so right to me. That feels like, right? yeah, like right time, right place. Like, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, me, you know, the Aperol Spritz and and this Star Wars movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like it's not something that you have to think super hard about, but it's just something that you can enjoy. Uh, right. And so I think I think that's a good one. And um, and now I also want to have an Aperol Spritz because it's 
very hot and it's a very refreshing cocktail when it's hot out. I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking like, oh, do I have anything like that? I yeah. definitely don't. Yeah. I, I now that you've said it. You can, you can make something. You can make all sorts. If you have just like a cheap Prosecco, you can mm-hmm. make some kind of wine spritzer and it it they're they're usually delicious it just sounds really refreshing like unpopular opinion this also sounds like exactly my kind of drink like you know love like... it love it well but that's but but that's the same thing like that's the same thing about the like that new york times article with this whoever wrote it that was like these are just bad drinks and it's like no you don't like them and that's it's okay. Different. Yeah, 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 it's different. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> I know it can be hard to tell the difference between your opinion and fact, but <laughs> especially for some of us, some of us in certain demographics who think that their opinions are uh universally held and Absolutely. objective. Yep. Um, it can be yep. hard. It can be hard. <laughs> it can be hard. It can be hard, Karen. But um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for saying it. I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. So back back to back to uh, Rise of Skywalker. That's that's the name of the movie, right? I can't even. <laughs> Wait, Force of <laughs> Force of Skywalker. Hope. Force. Force um, of the Skywalker Hope returns. It's called a new Skywalker. Returns. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Um, we, we I was hope. just thinking. We hope. Um, I was just thinking of a couple other other characters that were new that I felt were extraneous, one of which and and I feel bad just saying this because I'm a diehard Lord of the Rings fan, but mm-hmm. Dominic Monaghan is weirdly in this movie randomly as who just played? who played Mary in in Lord of the Rings and he's Charlie in Lost, so so clearly, like, J.J. Abrams has a, like, loyal... Like, it's nice that he cast him in this and gave him a little yeah. cameo. But, like, everything that he does, Rose Tico could do. Um, like, every line he has, Kelly Marie Tran could say. And so I... He sees the guy from the... He's the resistance guy that with, yeah. the, with the hair, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the resistance guy who, like, randomly is there. He hasn't been in the other movies. Like, there's a couple other resistance people who have been in some of the other movies. But Dominic yeah. Monaghan is totally new in this one and is just, like... Okay, like I love you, but you don't need to be here. <laughs> just saying, just pretty much just saying Kelly Marie Tran's like lines. Like if I were yeah. her, I think I probably would have been quietly like seething. She's a kinder person than I ever could be. Yes, honestly. she her, honestly her, between her and Daisy Ridley, the patience. <laughs> oh my god, the they've patience. just they got ta- they got so much shit for just doing their jobs well, <laughs> and and still like I mean and. Like, we know that a large part of, like, her getting that shit, I think, is part mm-hmm. of the reason why she didn't have as big of a role in this film as she could have. Yeah. Because of the, the loud, you know, obnoxious minority, like, primarily, Absolutely. I don't know, uh, 20-something white guys with, like, really, really loud opinions about, you know, what should and shouldn't be in a Star Wars film and, like, what is or isn't political um, right. et cetera, are the reason why, like, the fan servicey parts of this film got made the way that they did and like they it's like she's the the stick is burning at both ends like she got right the the short end of it both in the production and like outside in the world like i got made fun of so now i'm now i I got abused online like brutally so now 
I have a smaller part in this film because we don't want to piss those people off. Right. Yes. Right. And I'm sure I'm sure that J.J. Abrams and everybody else on the production team would never admit that was the case. No. But it seems pretty obvious that it was. Um, yeah. 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 So 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 Dominic Monaghan, love you. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like you needed to be in this movie. Um, and then Richard E. Grant, another actor who I love, who suddenly is here playing like he's like basically taking over Hux's role as like the the kind of bureaucratic evil dude. Uh, Mr. First Order. Yes, Mr. First Order guy. <laughs> exactly. Who you're like who who has been, you know, working for the emperor all this time or something or that seems to be what they're suggesting, but he wasn't in any of the other movies. Like, like it would have been mm-hmm. one thing if he had been in the other movies and they'd been kind of like hinting at the emperor coming back. But no, he wasn't there. They just no. brought him in for this one. Another thing that one conversation with Ryan Johnson uh, probably yes. could have maybe a little bit fixed. Probably <laughs> maybe a little bit. You know, again, this is sort of a sidebar. Um the one maybe good thing about Ryan Johnson not being involved in this movie is that it gave us Knives Out, which... Um, a masterpiece. <laughs> wonderful film. I love that movie <laughs> so much. God. Yeah. Maybe it would have happened anyway, but who's to say? We can hope. We can hope. We can hope. But, but you know, I'll take, I'll take a, a less good Star Wars movie to get Knives Out. As good as it was. For sure. Uh, the one new character who I did love was, I believe her name is uh, Jana or Jana. Jana. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. But also like a really fascinating story and storyline that doesn't ever really get explored because there's too much else going on. Exactly. It's like they they were it's like they were dividing what was already the smallest piece of the pie. Exactly. Into- yeah. These like wafer thin slivers of like, here's a cameo, here's a cameo, here's a new storyline that we're not going to follow because this is the last film in the series. (laughs) Right. It just doesn't like I I feel like somebody like a script editor or somebody needed to (laughs) to to be like, there's too much going on. There's too much going on here. But I, you know, peer review is so important. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Even when you're J.J. Abrams. Dear Hollywood, peer review is so important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, so so I think those are most of the, like the main new characters who came in and like either didn't need to be there or it was great that they were there and I wanted more of them, which I guess is a good which I guess is a good thing. It's always good to like want more of something, but but not when there's other things that you don't want. <laughs> and I, and you know, and I would argue not when, not when it's supposedly the last film of a series. Exactly. Like they keep exactly. saying there aren't any more after this. And I mean, this is kind of what I keep coming back to. And I know, like I know before we, when we decided that I would be doing this episode, I did promise that I liked this film better than most people. And I've said right. mostly like angry things, but I think that, I think my frustration with this film comes from the fact that I did I did enjoy it and there are parts right. of it that I did enjoy so much. Right. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's that that's a really good way to describe it though is that like the like the execution of what it was was really good and really enjoyable, mm-hmm. but some of the bones were not as strong as they should have been. Um and 
And I think I, I share that frustration that I was like, there's so much of this that that is fun or interesting or good, but it's just like not handled well at the core. And I think that's sort of like the, the a, a good way to describe my my issues with this movie, at least. You know what? I want this is probably going to be the the least wine savvy thing that's ever said on uh, on this podcast. I love it. Um, I, want I just it. kept, I just kept <laughs> thinking like it seems to me like a a, a beautifully expertly like crafted uh, wine that was made with like bad grapes. Yes. Yeah? Like, like no, that's like, a or maybe like I don't know. No, that's a brilliant. That's a brilliant analogy. It's a brilliant analogy. It's um. It's like. And that does happen. This is a little little fun fact, a little wine tidbit. But sometimes, like, either there will just be, like, a bad year, like a bad harvest for grapes, or, mm-hmm. or like, you know, the area just isn't good or something. But, like, the winemaker, and it's usually small boutique wineries who are usually really good at what they do, but if they have a bad year... And or like a thin crop or something, they the wine will actually be more expensive, even if the wine is not as good as it should be, just because they need to make up the money. They need to make up the cost. And it's a and it's a you know, it's a small business. You know, there's definitely the wineries that are like going to try to rip you off. But but like sometimes these small wineries are just like the grapes aren't as good, but I have to I have to make some money or I like will lose my business. <laughs> and Gee, and that sounds like exactly what happened with this film. Ex- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like there there were just some bad grapes that were uh that were thrown into this one. Or um another another analogy which I've used before is that sometimes when when like the grapes aren't good, what a winemaker will do to cheat is just like over oak it like either like have it age too long in an oak barrel or sometimes like really cheap places will like throw oak chips into the wine and that will kind of trick you because the oak gives it a certain flavor and it will kind of trick you into being like oh maybe this is good um but it's it's really a cheating tactic uh to like cover up the fact that the wine itself is not very good. I um, want to carry this metaphor like even further to even say that like perhaps like I mean it seems like in this case like you know to draw it back to the film it seems like you know one of the things that it keeps going back to is that sort of like the classic principles of what um what makes up the force and like what makes up um yeah. you know a Star Wars movie it, it sort of like goes back to those tried uh-huh. and true things that we know sell and we know um that people are already bought into um, in order to step away from what what happened with The Last Jedi, which was like sort of, uh, as you guys talked right. about in the last episode, a major departure from the structure of your traditional like Star Wars film that got a lot of backlash. So in order to like right. make up for, you know, the rush production that they admitted to. And again, like Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher's passing, which to my understanding, like The Last Jedi right. was supposed to be, I mean, <sighs> The Last Jedi, God. The rise of Skywalker? Oh my god. The rise of Skywalker. It's such a weird title. It's the it's the least intuitive title of all of the Star Wars movies, exactly. I feel like. It doesn't feel like a yeah, it doesn't feel like the last one at all. It's the rise of Skywalker. No. Um was right. supposed to be right. largely following, like, you know, the arc of 
General Leia Organa, to my understanding. And that was my understanding. You know, having too. her pass and the creative team change, like et cetera, et cetera. They had a few bad grapes thrown in there. And as a result, totally. they leaned really heavily on like some stuff that didn't quite pan out. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think I think you're totally, totally right. And you've got great instincts for someone who supposedly doesn't know anything about wine. Yay! <laughs> um, I am... Yes! I did, that was total BS. I'm so glad I hit the nail on the head this time. You <laughs> did. That was You luck. really, you really did. <laughs> I love it. I just I love like it. metaphors. Um, I want to go back to something that you said earlier, because I feel like it's important yes. that we talk about it in this film. Um, you said that you were really attached to the idea of... Um, of Ray being kind of like a no one and um yes. and that it was disappointing to have you know sort of like somehow Palpatine returns come back in and like like you said right. like, yeah like having the emperor come back the the big bad of all of you know of all of it kind of come back was really interesting but um right I thought there was something really compelling and really touching about um like what we saw and like yeah it was a little bit like cliche like what we saw at the end of uh the last jedi of like you know mm -hmm. telling the story of like this new resistance that was like you know sort of like yeah up and coming and like you know having this person who like didn't really know what her lineage was sort of find her way right. and become sort of the most powerful um force user in the galaxy and you know having her be no one narratively was i thought an amazing, incredible choice. And I think that, like, if they had leaned into that rather than leaning the other way and saying, like, no, actually, she's, you know, evil royalty. Um, right. Was just weak. Like, it was just kind of, like, it was it was hackneyed in a way that, like, at, it, cheap, it cheapened it. <laughs> it did. It really did. It it, it made... And, and I don't know why they felt the need to do that, honestly, because I think you still could have done pretty much the same story without her being a palpatine. Yeah. Um <laughs> and and she can still have like she can still have a struggle against her like darker impulses or whatever you want to call it. Um she can still have that even if she's not a palpatine. Guess what? Everybody has those struggles. Right. So <laughs> and and I thought that was the I thought that was so cool and such a, a such a cool message and to have them just like totally cop out on it. I don't know at what point that decision was made, like whether it was known totally from the beginning or whether between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker they were like, "Nah, just kidding." Um I don't know. I don't know. But that to me was just like really disappointing. I have really disappointing. I have such like, yeah, I have super strong feelings about like, you know, Ray and her lineage, like as it was and like sort of in the sense of like, you know, we're all connected in the force anyway. Why does it matter who's blood related? Like number right. one, like, you right. know, it, 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 it could have been the exact same. I have a hard time believing that anything and this is my cynicism kind of you know um shining through but i have a hard time believing that sure anything that they did in this film they'd known since the very beginning was going to be done um, oh yeah because i feel oh, like oh yeah especially yeah. especially for anybody who's watched lost like <laughs> yeah like you, you can you can tell me that you knew but you can't pay me enough to believe you right um, right Right, exactly, exactly. It would have ended better if you knew. It would have, it would have ended better. <laughs> if, if you'd known, it would have ended better. Um, if you'd known, there are so many other things. Like, there are so many little pieces of this movie that, like, 
make it evident that there was that disconnect between the films because if they had known right you know things like for instance smallest thing ever um if if luke had leia's lightsaber the whole time why didn't he give it to ray in the last jedi like why why right. was then the moment that we had to do you know this um no that's a great point i hadn't thought of that but yeah that's a great point <laughs> i think that it undercuts a lot of um like Mm, the disjointedness of it is really just the thing that frustrates me because I think almost the way that... Yeah. I'm not angry that I didn't write Star Wars. I'm really glad I didn't write Star Wars. I don't want to be one of those people that right. um, that Winston right. was talking about in the last episode that is just... I know, I know that's right. what Winston... That's just... No, he was being a, he was being a jerk. Nah, <laughs> don't worry. Nah. No, I mean, I kind of agree with him, though, is the thing. <laughs> like, right, right. No, there definitely are those people. There are definitely people who wish that they had written Star Wars. But I think there there are those of us who, like, can love it and appreciate it and also recognize its flaws and be frustrated with it. Yeah. Um, I think that they undercut a lot of Ray's storyline in not paying attention to, like, they spent so much time quibbling over, like, the details of the universe and who was in charge and who was entitled to the legacy mm-hmm. of, like, Star Wars, et cetera, et cetera, which changed these major plot points. And, right. like, I think that the main thing that I, like... Very glad to see, you know, a a woman and person of color led Star Wars trilogy that um, resonated with me as a marginalized individual more than, you know, the earlier ones. Like, I loved them, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I think my parents grew up with them. And I think that like, I came into them a little bit later. I found myself really surprised to find that like, it became like a Christmas tradition. Like every year I would go and see at around Christmas time, I would go and see uh, whatever new star Wars movie was out with um, my parents are divorced. So Mm -hmm. with my mom and then with my dad, like sort of like separately and for my mom to sort of like come in and tell me that she saw all of the midnight premieres when she was a kid of like the original trilogies um, and dressed up like Leia, like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like I know they knew about it, but I haven't known about it for long enough to be as attached for as long as I think many of my like many of my friends and like contemporaries and things like that. So like sure. it's really frustrating to me to find this story that was the first one that I was fully conscious for. Yeah. Because I was, you know, I was nine or ten when the prequels came out. Right. I, I loved them, but I really liked pod racing and like, you know yeah. I was I was a little kid. I liked They're them for fun. little kid reasons. <laughs> Not because they were good movies or anything. Exactly. But, uh, and lightsabers. But yeah. Yeah, no, okay. So to the point. It was it's just frustrating to see that Ray's storylines suffer for what the creative team either wasn't willing to do or chose against. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, to make those weaker choices, like either for marketing reasons or for, you know, um, fanboy backlash reasons or because you wanted Kylo Ren to have a redemption arc. Right. Uh, because we want to somehow apologize for you know, young, radicalized, try hard, like white boys. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. In the world exactly. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, there are so many good seeds there. There are so many good seeds that like, that could have been handled in a way that, for instance, like Anakin got to be complex and badass and conflicted and like never apologize for it. And yeah. like, Ray kind of peeked her head out into that kind of like anger and trauma and like looking into her right. into herself and finding herself in this movie and immediately started second guessing herself immediately right. started like apologizing for it and like the whole storyline like 
caved around like, oh no, power bad, this bad. I can't, like, I can't really like, ah, uh, they, mm, she deserved more. She just deserved more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. She did. And, and I hadn't thought about it that way before, but it's really true. Like it's hinted at that she like has tendencies towards the dark side or like towards destruction or chaos or whatever. But every time there's a hint of that, she shuts it down. And yeah. and I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it that concretely before, but you're totally right. And that's definitely I think a a a function of probably a mostly male writing team i would guess but it's a lot of like sexism like men going like well, this is how this is how i know that a woman would feel i know that right, right. i know women i have a mother yes. i have a sister i have a sister um i have a wife i might even have a daughter <laughs> yep <laughs> not because they asked you know anyone right <laughs> yeah no absolutely absolutely and and it's really a shame because i think I do think that that Last Jedi got closest to kind of asking those questions and like yes. what what would actually happen if Rey did actually like dip her toe into the dark side. Because um, she never really does. She never really does. There's like... No. She does the force lightning thing. That one time she gets very upset and right. then she fights herself. But she never right. really like right. does anything. Which then, which then, that also leads me to my next kind of criticism um, about this movie. I don't know. I don't know if it's a valid criticism, or it, maybe it's more just an observation. But this movie, like at least twice, if not more than that, like threatens to take a beloved character from us and then gives them back. So in that moment where she, like, force lightnings the ship and thinks that she kills Chewie, five minutes later, we discover that Chewie's still alive. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not like, sad that Chewie's still alive. I would have been devastated if Chewie had died. But it does that, and then it does sort of the same thing with 3PO, where, like, the scene where he's like, I just want to look at my friends like one last time. One last like time. I <laughs> I bawled. Like I was so sad because I was I ready. I was so upset. <laughs> I was so ready to for like for 3PO to go away. And I was like, <gasps> but then but then they but then they but then they kind of undo it, you know? And so it's like it it kind of feels chicken shit to me a little bit. Like I think that's my main criticism of this movie is that it like almost almost does sort of daring things, but then it takes him back. And Oh my God, yes. Yes, I agree. Like, this movie is so... It, that's that's kind of the whole thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it almost makes a big decision and then it takes it back. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. I I get it, I get it, but but it, it I think it does it a few too many times and it's just like, okay, at this point, like... At, like, at least with The Last Jedi, like, it does a few things. Like, it does, like, there's a lot of loss in it, and it establishes from the get-go, like, there's going to be loss and tragedy, and you're going to lose characters that you love in this movie. And then in this, the only ones we lose are Leia, and which, who knows if <sighs> that would have happened or not had she, had Carrie Fisher lived. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I just, I know that from reading what I've read about, and again, like, I, 
I'm still devastated about um, Carrie oh, Fisher passing. Oh, God, me too, um, me too, like, me just too. Just on a personal level, I'm just like, yeah. I'm still devastated. Yeah, but, not um, over it, nope. I know from reading some of her writings that, you know, she mm-hmm. had input and opinions and things like that about, like, the scripts and that she was, like, you know, sort of, like, yeah. cited as a consultant on a lot of the other, like, films yeah. like, after the first one and she was sort of a valued, you know, voice on those things and, like... From the outset, I believe that, like, this film, no matter who ended up directing it or, like, what the drama was outside of it, I f- this film would have been very different if Carrie Fisher had been around to see it through. Absolutely. To, um, like, over and above all else, like, that, that would have been the case. But also, I think that, like, I don't know what would have happened to Leia. Yeah. Um, I feel like in a more Leia-centric movie... Um, we would have, she, she wouldn't have passed away, but she definitely like in under no circumstances, do I think that she would have passed away in that way? Yeah. Um, no, I think you're right. all of the kind of like cheap shots of, you know, oh, we, th- you thought we took Chewie from you, didn't you? Oh, we yeah. thought we took, you know, C-3PO. Yeah. And they both got these, you know, sort of like beautiful speeches. And, you know, there was a lot of like gravitas around. I mean, obviously Chewie didn't have a beautiful speech. It was just kind of a climactic moment. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> but for all of that, like Carrie Fisher, I mean, not Carrie, not Carrie Fisher, because obviously she tragically was not around, but right. um General Organa's passing in comparison to those two moments that were kind of backed off of immediately right. felt kind of like an afterthought. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. She uttered one word, Maskatana said that thing, like it's going to take right. all of the strength that she has left to do this thing. And she says, Ben, and then she lays down and she like passes away. Right. When it's, this yeah. like powerful force user that we have learned so much about in just the past hour could have easily had a death like you know, gone down with her ship. Like, you know, she right. could have had a, you know, a Holdo situation happen or she could have, like, you know, just been doing things off screen. Like, yeah. But the way that they did it felt kind of like, we just threw this in at the end because it was the easiest slash like most right. budget efficient way to not have to use to construct Carrie Fisher's likeness or anything like that. And right. like, that doesn't feel like a good excuse to me. <laughs> right. No, not at all. And it's even it's even possible that like cuz cuz my my instinct says, you know, because both Han and Luke have died in the previous films that they were probably going to have her pass away in this film. Yeah. But I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. Um if it had been in this same purpose, it, it could have at least been better done. And yeah, and and like sh- you know, given her more to do, obviously they couldn't do that or didn't want to. And and in a certain sense, it was like okay, we all know that she passed away, and you you want to do her some some honor and some homage, but yeah. not like overdo it. Yeah, that's I would say that like in defense of how they how they wrote it yeah but yeah it was just just so so who knows who knows what would have happened i wish i knew more (laughs) yeah me too um this does lead me to one thing which i know people disagree about which is um harrison ford's brief appearance in this movie i actually really liked that he was in this movie to talk to ben in that moment, it seemed like had had Carrie Fisher lived, he probably wouldn't have been mm-hmm. in in the movie. 
Um, but they probably asked Harrison Ford to do it because Carrie Fisher had died. Um, interestingly, um, I didn't realize this, but when I was doing like a little bit of research, Harrison Ford is uncredited in this movie. Really? Yes. Because wow, yeah, which which is like on the one hand, it's surprising because, Her- I mean, Harrison Ford is mostly in this for the money. <laughs> <laughs> we know. I love him. I love him dearly. He does a. He's he's an amazing Han Solo. He kind of is Han Solo in real life. Yeah, but he famously, you know, wanted Han to die long ago, <laughs> and and so. I'm, I I don't know why he's uncredited. I assume that it's because he wanted to be, mm-hmm. but it's it's something I hadn't thought about before. But is is true? He's not listed, huh. so I don't know. But I'm curious. What did you think about the little the little scene with you know, with Han Solo I, coming back? I didn't know this was controversial. Um, maybe it's just not. Um, I don't know like... if it's that controversial. I've just I just heard some people some people um by some people uh Chad Ellis um the wonderful delightful Chad Ellis oh I who love Chad was on <laughs> I know they're so great um who was on our Force Awakens episode. Um, said that they didn't like that decision and they felt like it cheapened Han's story. Um, and I huh. think I think that's a fair perspective. Like, I don't, like, that doesn't make me mad to hear that somebody feels that way. Um, no. But I personally really liked having him come back here. I thought it was a nice touch. I thought, you know, I I actually really liked this, uh, this, this sequence as well. There are a couple of sequences um, in the film, and this is definitely one of them, that... Um, for a brief moment allowed me to sort of like sit aside my perspective. This was a moment where I felt like number one, where I felt like the story and also again, not to tie it back to like mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher again, like Carrie's Fisher, Carrie Fisher's life were being like honored. Right. Cause like you said, if Carrie Fisher lived like, uh, that scene with Han Solo wouldn't have had to happen. It would have happened with like right. General Organa, obviously. Right. Um, and I think that like, having all three of them appear in the last film number one kind of like in a meta sense kind of really was it was a great moment for me in the theater I think yeah. it got like sort of a universal like gasp around the theater when it happened yeah um it was a nice like sort of like cathartic moment to see another familiar face I thought in so this, too the end of such a long you know saga and also um and I'm, uh, you know, famously not a fan of the Kylo Ren, like, Ben Solo, like, arc. Yeah. Uh, just, like, I'm famously not a fan. This was the, I think, the one scene where I felt, like, a smidge of, you know, something for him. Yeah. Um, uh, it was in this moment. And, like, I'm, like, bless his heart, I'm, like, also not huge on Adam Driver's performance in these particular... Sure, like, I sure, think, that's I think he fair. it, but I just, I... I don't I don't get it a lot of the time and that's in fair. this particular scene that was the most human that I'd seen Ben Solo um was in talking to his father like in yeah. that exact moment and I really liked even the shot was beautiful um the the acting was great and um even the writing I think came together in this particular yes. moment I think he says something like yeah she's like she may be gone but your memories of her aren't and like so right. or what or what she stands in, for in isn't, that way she's or... still around yeah yeah oh, yeah oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i think i think you're totally right and and i i'm in the uh, as i've mentioned before i'm in the camp of like at first i really didn't like adam driver 
in this mm-hmm. role or or I don't know if it was Adam Driver or just the role like I couldn't quite tell but eventually he grew on me like mm. like in rewatching Force Awakens and then seeing The Last Jedi by the time I saw The Last Jedi for the first time I think like I was like okay I accept Adam Driver as this character <laughs> and I do think he does a good job I do but but it's a weird character. It's a tough character. But but this was one of the few moments that feels like truly genuine for him, mm-hmm. which is which is really nice. Uh, yeah. This leads to I don't know if we want to even get into this, but this is the moment that maybe makes me the most angry in all this movie. Oh God! Oh God! I'm gonna I, hang on. I need to brace myself because I think I know what you're about. You to say. probably know what I'm gonna say. <gasps> It's okay. the kiss. Oh, God. The Raylo kiss. Oh, God. It's so painful. The pain. <laughs> Bleach didn't work. No. Disinfectant. My brain. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, I'm glad you also feel this way because I just... I I hate that moment. Every I've I've now so much. I've now seen this movie three or four times, and every time I watch it, I'm like, okay, this is you know what this is more you know I can I can get behind some of this. Yeah yeah that bothers me, but this is this mm-hmm. is okay. But that moment, I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. I nope. muted um when it came out on DVD. I muted like the Disney yeah. Twitter from showing up in my like sponsored <laughs> ads because I think there was a gif of like just like that moment. No, and it's just no. like I can't I can't do this with you. Okay, yeah. I can't. <laughs> like, yeah, nope. It is it is so bad. It, it and and the thing is like I think it's not just that it's so like a bad choice, which I personally think it is, but it is, it is just badly done too. Like (laughs) it feels really hokey and like out of the blue and like corny in a, like, like there's a lot of Star Wars that is corny, but not like this. And not like not fun corny. It yeah. felt like the fourth the fourth Twilight movie. Like, exactly. It, it, like. Exactly. And again, I think that comes back to like fulfilling like silly white men's fantasy or something. I don't know. Like You know, there's a there's a mm, mm, I'm gonna like I'm gonna bite my tongue a little bit on this one because like there is You don't have to hold into back. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, we get into that. I will never stop talking. That's true. So many That's feelings. true. Um, That's true. That's true. That that, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. But <laughs> Raylo, like the pairing episode of like Raylo, and then you yeah. just pick like wine that you just really hate. Yeah, that, just like, really everyone, hate. Like, <laughs> and you force yourself to drink it and rewatch mm-hmm. that scene over and over again. <laughs> and then you tell everybody that it, you tell a bunch of people that it's good so that they can gaslight you into thinking that it was supposed to be that way the whole time. Right. I right. Oh. Have not I have never I've never been angrier. I don't like Okay, no, I take it back. I saw live action Lion King last year and I was Ooh. angrier after seeing that. Um but that that was a personal upset (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm not ready for that because of because of everything i've i've heard about it um i still haven't (laughs) seen it but and i saw that film and i came out of it like just sort of like 
ruminating over the fact that like I've never been more personally offended than I was in that moment. But this is a close second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that seems right. What it does is that like it's just this whole... Number one, it doesn't make any sense in the story. Yep. Like, yep. we could get into the whole, like, forced dyad, forced, like, you know, like, oh, we are one in the force, like, et cetera, et cetera. All of these moments that they went right. out of their way to give to Ben Solo to apologize for his, like, sort of existence. I was talking mm-hmm. to a friend recently, mm-hmm. and um, they were talking about how Kylo Ren gets to be sort of like this, like... <sighs> I hate to say it, but like this like white guy villain that like the world and the narrative, most narratives would have us believe is only the way that he is because he's being controlled, like not because of his own choices, not because of, you know, anything that he did himself. Like he's like sort of a pawn in all of this as well. Like, oh, poor baby. He's sympathetic, like, et cetera, et cetera. And that was so like shoehorned into this film. This was just like sort of the culmination of that. Like, of course, like. Ray had to subject herself to his will in the end of it right. as well. Right. Um, and it's just, it would have been such, it would, mm, I'll try to spend this positively because I've spent a lot of time talking sure. bad, bad about this film. I will say that this moment could have been much better served by more focus on the story between Ray and Finn. Yes. And if it weren't for, you know, a combination of sexism and racism, right. um, I feel like the force dyad that we would have gotten was, you know, force sensitive Finn sort of like coming into his own. We've seen canonically yeah. he can use a lightsaber. Like it could right. have been these two quote unquote noble bodies, a, a defected stormtrooper yeah. and this, you know, no one from Jakku right. um, going up against the Sith and like becoming the most like powerful sort of like dyad there. We could have yes. seen that. We saw so many instances is another moment where uh, the movie sort of like came up to the precipice of doing something sort of mm-hmm. like revolutionary and different and then yeah. backed off of it in the yeah. last possible moment. We saw so many yes. moments of Finn trying to talk to Ray and tell yeah. her something or another. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of great comedic moments of, you know, and I think they kind of like tongue in cheek was sort of like playing at the like the Finn Ray ship and like, you know, the Finn Poe ship, like, et cetera, et right. cetera. Right. Like, Made you think that it was probably about romance. I kept waiting for Finn to like admit that he definitely loves Ray. Um, yeah, yeah. And I feel like they they shoehorned a rope like a like weird connective tissue and a romance in for uh, Kylo Ben, as I like to call him, and yes. and Ray yeah. as the like protagonist of the story in a way that was already sort of like set up and right there for her with. So many other characters, Finn being the most sympathetic and obvious choice right. among them. Right. And that's the upsetting thing, because it's it's all right there. You finished it 95% of the way, and then you crumpled it and started drawing a different picture at the last possible second after totally. killing him and then bringing him back to life and then et cetera, et cetera. I just... Yeah. Mm. No, I... <laughs> um. Yep. Yep. Uh, no, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And, and sort of tying into that as well is I do think that Finn's story is is also undercut in this movie. And I, I, I you saying this, like, solidified it for me. But yes, I feel like this, um, this whole trilogy could have been the story of both Rey and Finn, like, finding, like, figuring out their relationship to the Force. Instead, 
it became about Ray finding her relationship to the Force and, like, Finn figuring out, like, how to be a person in society, kind of? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and they kind of just push his, like, intuition and ability with the Force aside, except for a couple of moments after the first movie, yeah. which was which was frustrating to me. And then, and then also, like, I don't know, like, I don't get the choice because it does, it does obviously feel like, I mean, Ray and Finn have a much more interesting connection to me than Ray and Kylo or <laughs> Kylo Ben. Kylo um, Ben. <laughs> uh, I also think it's weird that in each movie, it's like Finn has a different possible romantic interest. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we all know that Finn and Poe are actually OTP boyfriends. Yes, yeah, yeah, OTP. (laughs) Yes, we know, we know that. But, but like, it's it's sort of weird that it's like hinted at that Finn and Ray in the first movie, then Finn and Rose in the second movie, and then Finn and Janna in this movie, and not that's not necessarily a criticism. Like that, that's a thing that can happen. Um, you know a person can have m- multiple romantic interests at various sure. points in their life. Um but it was but it felt it it felt like they never resolved or like solidified Finn and Ray's relationship which which can or doesn't have to be romantic, but but I did I did miss like more of them together. And and I I mean I just I love Finn. I love Finn as a character. He's my boy. <laughs> uh, he's so great. I love John Boyega so much. And I I did feel like this movie kind of didn't do him justice, I think. No. no. And I think he had so much more to offer than like him. I mean, all of them. Like, but Daisy yeah. and John, I think oh, specifically, yeah. like had so much more to offer than they were given. And Yeah. 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 I mean, I also adore Oscar Isaac. I think he is wonderful. Oh, but yes. like but, like, they sort of force this backstory on him in this movie, which doesn't actually, like, serve any purpose. Nope. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like the beautiful thing about Poe is he's kind of like Han Solo. Like, you learn a little bit about him here and there, but you you don't need to dive deep into his past to to, like, appreciate him and his complexities. And, like, so the so the stuff with Carrie Russell, I was like, this just feels. absolutely unnecessary (laughs) and like you're just taking time away from from rose (laughs) and the optics of i mean again not to you know put too fine a point on it but the optics of making your like only like your first like lots and x like you know like star wars like main character or whatever like a drug runner essentially just like in an offhand comment not great um that's totally true and i didn't i didn't even think about that but that's so true but and they did it in service of like bringing carrie russell into like i feel like all of it was kind of like a circular like it was like a secular way of like enforcing like poe being heterosexual number one going to the end of the film but also like he's all of it was like just sort of like a way of justifying that little bit of like something or another that like brings Zori Bliss and Carrie Russell like into this at the 11th hour kind of did. (laughs) Right. Um, Like it really, like if there were a storyline that needed to be cut, that would be the one that I would cut. Number one, the first one actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That would be the first Um, one I would cut, but probably, uh, you know, 
they were like, oh, shit, we made a deal with Carrie Russell, so we can't cut that. So mind you, Babu Frick, um, probably one of yes. my most joyful moments. I love. Babu oh, my God. Frick. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. And um, and Babu Frick is voiced by. Oh, my God. I'm going to forget her name. But she's the actress who played Moaning Myrtle in <gasps> Harry Potter. Really? And yes. Oh, my God. What's her name? What's her name? Oh, my God. I kind of want to. I, I need to know now, too. Shirley Henderson. Yes. Shirley Henderson. That's her name. Who I oh my God. love so much. And I didn't, I didn't realize it was her. But then once I learned that, I was like, oh, my God. That's definitely her. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, my God. So that made me really happy. (laughs) I will allow, not the whole storyline, but Mm -hmm. my my revised cut of this film, I will allow some Carrie Russell in exchange for Babu Frick. Yes, Um, I agree. I agree. But to talk about Finn a little bit more, um, yes. I, I'm i always, like, ready to talk about Finn a little bit more. Oh, no, I, could... I just wanted to sort of, like, harken back a little bit because, like, I'm realizing now that some of the most compelling moments, the co- most compelling moments that happened on screen and some of the most compelling moments that almost happened on screen um, mm-hmm. all kind of involved, to a lesser extent, Rose, but um, for the most part, Finn and yeah. his, uh, his sort of stories. I'd never, like perceived his relationship with uh Jana to be uh romantic but I can definitely like kind of I can see that interpretation now that I'm thinking about it that's how that's how I interpreted it but maybe I was like just bitter because <laughs> like because they I felt like they were replacing Rose or something I don't know but I I can see it I can like now that I'm now that now that you've said it out loud I can definitely see it but um I think one of the things that I my what probably one of my favorite scenes in this entire film um juxtaposes the moment that uh Ray and Finn come in contact with each other on that ship and mm-hmm. like they're just sort of having that sort of like awkward like meet and greet a little bit yeah yeah um, Jana and Finn are on they're on maybe they're on the Falcon I can't remember but um they're mm-hmm. sort of like they're doing something or another but the conversation that they have was um, Finn finding out that she was also an ex-stormtrooper and that yeah. all of her, like, platoon, like, put their weapons down at the same time and they decided, like, that right. this wasn't right and they sort of, like, decided to rebel in that way. Um, right. And the moment of realization for um, Finn and Jana that they have these similar slash, like, parallel pasts and that they've both come to... Um, they've both found themselves in the same place at this sort of, like... In this 11th hour at the crux of the revolution, like together on the opposite side that they, you know, that the world would have otherwise had them be. And I Mm -hmm. think that like, I mean, the nuance like is not like lost upon me, like having, you know, these two like beautiful, like, you know, wonderfully done, like black actors, like doing this like particular thing and talking about coming out of, you know, those kinds of um, circumstances that they couldn't really necessarily control. Right. Like sort of like choosing good and rebelling and believing in something and having some kind of larger hope that again the universe you know tried many times to to take from them and then like finn sharing that like you know this is why i believe in the force like you know i'm i I know this is real because of like this and like this is why i believed in the resistance and like what we're doing here um that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole gosh darn movie oh it's a wonderful scene yeah yeah it could have been more of the film is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. And know, I think like... I think that, you know, maybe part of why I perceive 
Finn and Janna as like a romantic thing is because mm-hmm. that I, I think I think it's not necessarily a romance, but it's it's this connection that they have to each other and this amazing yeah story and and experience that they have in common and if you found somebody else who had been through that of course you would want you would be drawn to them um and i think that i think that the film just kind of doesn't do that story enough justice now I, i i mean i haven't heard anything about this but there's also that final moment in the last few moments where um Jana and Lando are talking and mm-hmm. and he's like well let's go find where you're where you come from and that made me think okay maybe they're gonna do like a like a Jana spinoff or something and I'd watch it I'd watch the <laughs> hell out of that um yeah. because I wanted more of that story in this and so I don't know. I don't know. Like on the one hand, like that that's the one new new storyline or new person in this movie that I felt like really did contribute something. But yeah. but but I wanted more, you know, like Jana deserved more and Finn and Jana like that there was so much more to explore there. Um Yeah. I feel like we wasted a lot of our bandwidth on Exegol. Exactly. While we could have been. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I did. I did have a last few because I I wanted to pair some wines with some of our our main characters here. Ooh, yes, just to just to kind of close it out before we have any last thoughts. But so I was thinking for Ray in this movie that um, Bordeaux would be a good wine for her because mm. Bordeaux is like a classic, full bodied like tannic red wine, and she's just all force in this one. Yeah. You know, no pun intended, but <laughs> but I feel like she's just like she's so powerful mm-hmm. in this one that 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 seemed like a good pairing for her because as we mentioned, um, I felt like Finn's story kind of took a back seat in this one, which I didn't necessarily like or I definitely didn't like, but I always want more for him. But he's still amazing, so. I was thinking of like, okay, what's like a quote unquote supporting grape? <laughs> and um, I came up with the grape mouved. Mm-hmm. Um, I apologize to all the all the French speakers um, in the world because I, I I can't pronounce French very well. But um, mouved is a grape that's usually blended with other grapes, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a supporting like structural grape. But there are hundred percent mouveds out there that are amazing and delicious and so i think that's a good one for finn poe i was like okay well this is the one where he has to like really step up and come into his own and the the wine that came to mind for some reason was uh cabernet sauvignon but specifically chilean cabernet sauvignon uh yeah which is i mean i mean maybe maybe again you know because oscar isaac is latinx but um or I, th- I believe he's Guatemalan. He's Guatemalan, I yeah. Say. He's Guatemalan, yeah. Um, but there's something about Chilean Cabernet Sauvignon that I just, like, really like and is distinct, I think, from other cab that comes from around the world. It often has, like, this little kind of, like, green or, like, herbal note to it. Uh, and some people don't like that, but I really like that. I think it makes it like a really interesting wine. And I think, you know, because Poe is like a young commander, he's got this greenness to him, mm-hmm. uh, but he's still like 
strong and forceful. So that's what I came up with for him. And then this is my personal favorite. Um, this movie is Kylo Ben uh, <laughs> finally accepting that he's a Chardonnay drinker. I was very proud of that one. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, yes. He's like that shitty dude who's like, oh, I only drink like really expensive red wine. And then he's like, no, I'm going to be true to myself. I like cheap Chardonnay. (laughs) I like Trader Joe's Chardonnay. (laughs) Yep. And so that's what I got. That's what I got for them. That's beautiful. <laughs> I was I was proud of that one. <laughs> the force is strong with all of these picks. Um, Thank I, you. I definitely Thank you. have to say. Oh, man. I just, I feel like I skewed so, um, like, so dark. Like, darker than I intended to. But, like, I really enjoyed this movie. Like, <laughs> Well, no, no. I think, I think um, the reason why we critique it is because we love it. Yeah. You know, and I think I think like like we've been talking about, there's a lot there's a lot to love. And I and I totally agree with you. I mean, I I maybe grew up with the with the with the earlier Star Wars films, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But but this was the first movie the or the first Star Wars films that I went to. And I was like, I love these actors and I love these characters yeah. like um, like they are doing such a good job. And I really think that da- particularly, as you said, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega just carry these movies mm-hmm. um, and and just do not, especially Daisy Ridley. Um, I know John Boyega gets a certain amount of flack as well, but, um, yeah. you, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I look, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they, they, uh, they do such a good job. They really, really do. And, and, um, my last thought was that it was actually a, a thought from Chad from <laughs> the Force Awakens oh. episode that we did, which is that if you think of this movie as like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, it's way more enjoyable if you think My about God. it as like a as like a self-contained adventure movie. It's it's a lot more enjoyable. Not to say that yeah. it's not enjoyable to begin with, but like a lot of the structural flaws can be sort of forgiven if you think about this kind of as its own little contained piece. I think I'm going to be watching it like that from now on. Um, yes. And I'm, I, it's a thing that I'm going to revisit, obviously. Uh, yes. You know, for many years to come. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. No, I look forward to, you know, like watching these movies for years to come and seeing how both my opinion and like general popular opinion changes. Mm-hmm. Um, because... I I don't know. I don't know. Because I think, again, people care so much about these movies. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think overall, I think that um, just because of the just because of the nature of, of, of the time in which they were released, we're full on in the information age right now. Everyone has Twitter. Everyone can just give right. their opinions like automatically. Right. And this is the first, you know, set of movies. I read somewhere that like, if the original trilogy had been released in the age that we live in now, it would have received the same, you know, kind of, 
hyper specific like criticism and a lot of the same like you Absolutely. know this isn't realistic like etc cetera, etc cetera. and I mean I'm not gonna uh, that's not to say that the criticisms aren't like incredibly valid like some of the criticisms aren't valid Absolutely. for like, this trilogy but at the end of the day it is the one that happened in the digital age and so of course that means there's a lot more discourse happening about it and I try to remember that like at the end of the day this particular Star Wars trilogy at least for me is you know, the one that, like, every for every single one of these movies, like, you know, despite all of their flaws and things like that, mm-hmm. I always leave these movies feeling like, you know, the kind of resistance that we maybe need to see in the real world right now is possible. And, like, that there is, you know, I, I always come out of these movies more hopeful than I was when I went in. Absolutely. Um, and I... I did get to see myself in these, these, these characters yeah. and in this story in, you know ways that I haven't before and you know because Mm -hmm. of that like for that reason alone I think that I I think these movies are gonna are gonna stick with me they're gonna you know they're gonna go the distance you know no matter how imperfect they may be um and a lot of that is because I think the strength of Star Wars the current Star Wars the the modern yeah the modern reality of Star Wars is that its strengths lie in those who were not the heir appearance of the Star Wars legacy or like those people that like you know this 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 woman and this you know latinx guy and this black guy who right. are the stars of this new trilogy that like you know 30 40 years ago like w- that wouldn't have been even you know remotely like possible i guess you can say and Absolutely. like they do some of the work that makes this makes this galaxy like worth living in for me yes yeah <laughs> no and I, that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thought to end this on i think unless you have anything else um that you're uh just need need to get in um god um i really like ray's new lightsaber that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna yes uh, (laughs) oh my god so controversial you like the yellow lightsaber (laughs) the lightsaber i like that it's gold yeah the internet can fight me (laughs) yeah No, I like it too. I love it too. Um, no, I like I like the ending. I like the ending a lot. Me too. Oh. Yeah. No, I think it's a, you know, it's an imperfect ending to this story. And like you said, I think part of the part of the issue of it is that it can't quite deal with the fact that it is the ending. Um, mm-hmm. And and I mean, at this point, like the Star Wars franchise is kind of bigger and sprawling enough that we know we're going to get more Star Wars content. But oh, yeah. but I think I think JJ Abrams and this film as a whole kind of struggled with sticking the landing. If Can I make a pitch to you? Yes. That I think my um leave us both I like to imagine that like in an alternate reality version of this movie, um, we got our version of Ray as sort of like a no one, you yes. know, coming from nowhere. And this exact ending works really well still, yeah. I think, in that reality because we get um, Ray kind of choosing her family and choosing her destiny exactly. in a way that she didn't have the power to at the beginning of the trilogy. So Yeah, and I think that's, I think that I would argue that's even more powerful than if, you know, she's a Palpatine and rejects that. Like, it's not about rejecting where you come from. It's about finding your new family. That's my... That's my takeaway. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Perfect. All right. Well, this was this was awesome. This was such a great conversation. Um, 
to have because uh, I feel like I have so, like I've, I feel like I've had these thoughts about this movie like bottled up. Um, so it was <laughs> <laughs> it was great to express my frustration while still loving Star Wars. Um, yeah, and so I appreciate that. I'm, I'm yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Of I appreciate course. you uh, letting me uh, sort of like rant about it, but also yeah, while also being able to sort of like still love it. I hope. Of course. Uh, that was cohesive. <laughs> it was. So, Danielle, do you have anything that you would like to plug at this moment in time? Oh, dear. I know oh, you've dear. you've done one or um, two one or two things, maybe. <laughs> um, I do. Uh, mostly you can find the things that I've worked on uh, over at the uh, whisperforge.org. Um, most recently, um, I think that like pretty soon, the third season of The Far Meridian, which Ooh. I uh, direct and act in, uh, will Yay. be coming out fairly soon. Uh, we're on quarantine hold, like everyone right, else, right. but um, I am excited about it, Ugh. and it's something that uh, I love, created by one Eli Barasa. I love and... The Far Meridian. Yeah. I mean, I love everything The, whi- <laughs> the Whisperforge does, but <laughs> wonderful. Um, I'll also I'll also plug for you um, your amazing in caravan uh, also a whisper, a whisper forge show um, one of one of my other favorites and of course um, ours paradoxica which you helped uh, you contribute writing to and and acting as well. Oh and yeah! My, my... Oh, Zach Labresco and I got to be. Uh... <laughs> yes, I remember yeah, because I think that was the one episode that I was in as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Can I just? I I didn't get to talk to you that much while we were doing it, but I just want to thank you so much because I did, I wrote, like, Eli and I wrote that episode together and you did such a good job. Oh, I loved it. I was so happy. I was so happy to be a part of it. It was so much fun. So I'm so glad that we finally had you here on Pairing um, and hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Until then, cheers. I hope that you're, you know, staying safe and sane and as much as possible the quarantine way <laughs> <laughs> this is the way cheers to you as well um, thank you stay safe and stay sane thank you so much for having me thank you so much for being here pairing was created hosted and produced by emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by winston shaw and logo artwork by darcy zimmerman and katie huey this episode was edited by emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.